You're listening to the Chasing Fandom Podcast on the Random Chatter Network with your host, Chris McGuffin. Grab your sonic screwdrivers, everyone, because this episode of Chasing Fandom is all about our favorite Time Lord, the Doctor. Yes, Doctor Who is back airing on the BBC and BBC America, and I figure now is the best time to have someone on to talk about it with me. My guest this week is Stuart McKinnon. Now, Stuart got a hold of me right after I released the first episode of this podcast and was pretty much like, hey, I like Doctor Who, you like Doctor Who, we should talk about it sometime. And given that we are a few episodes into the current season, I figure now is the best time for that to happen. Uh, on this episode, we talk a little bit about uh, Stuart's history with Doctor Who, his favorite doctors, his favorite companions, and then we get into a discussion of the current season. So, if that is something that you're watching or plan to watch, uh, I highly recommend that you stick around and listen to this episode. Uh, it was a great conversation, just like all of my uh, previous episodes have been, so... Um, I'm really excited for you all to listen to this, and I hope you enjoy. So I'd like to welcome to Chasing Fandom uh, my first guest that has actually uh, got in touch with me back when I did episode zero and uh, asked for people to submit uh, themselves as they'd like to be on the show. Uh, Stuart McKinnon was one of the one of them that uh, graciously offered his uh, voice to the show. And today we're going to be talking about Doctor Who, which is something that uh, I've not been able to cover really on a podcast, um, in, on any of the podcasts that I do. So, Stuart, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Chris, for having me on your show. It's been really good. So, uh, just, just as a, qu- a quick start before we get into the uh, Doctor Who discussions, uh, tell our audience a little bit about yourself, uh, some of the things you like. Um, it doesn't have to be just Doctor Who stuff, so uh, just have at it, whatever you want to say. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so hi everyone. I'm Stuart. Um, live in Inverness in Scotland. Um, and as Chris mentioned there, yeah, a big Doctor Who fan, but that's not my only sort of um, geekdom, as you would like. Um, a massive Star Wars fan as well, um, bordering on kind of obsession like. Um, so yeah, love that. And uh, the MCU, Marvel films, um, love all that and the comics as well. Big fan of Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, any sort of sci-fi fantasy like that as well. Um, so yeah, that's my sort of, that's my thing. Uh, also, a bit of music as well. Um, big sort of uh, music buff as well, so yeah. That's good. What is your, uh, what, what kind of music do you like to listen to? Um, big Led Zeppelin fan. I'm a big Oasis fan as well. Um, I know they weren't exactly massive in the States, but I think they're still kind of a bit known over there. So that kind of sort of music and the Beatles and Rolling Stones, all sort of the, the rock and roll and the mod and things as well. Sounds good. You, you can't go wrong with Oasis. They're one of my favorite bands too. Really? Yeah, I'm, yeah I was lucky enough to see them live a few times as well. Um, so it's good. I've actually bumped into Noel Gallagher actually as well at one point. Uh, he was quite oh, wow. cool. Yeah, it was. Um, 
in Edinburgh. Um, me and a mate were down seeing them live um, at the stadium gig that they did down there. And he was just walking along, just like any normal bloke along the big uh, street in Edinburgh. Um, and I sort of just sort of said hello, and he said hello back, and that was it. It was quite cool. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's that's quite a memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, it's quite good, yeah. So uh, just a little bit of uh, pre, pre-Doctor pre Who stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You told me uh, before we started the call that you were more into the the older Doctor Who than I am. Um, I, I'll be honest, I've never actually sat down and watched any of the old episodes pre-2005. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a younger person, so I, I, I got into it, uh, mainly because of the, the modern version. Um, mm-hmm. that's really all I know. So, uh, you have a little bit more experience with that, but, uh, just tell me who your favorite doctor is, uh, and who your favorite companion is and why. Favorite doctor. Um, this one's always up for debate, really. And it depends on what kind of mood I'm in, I suppose. But if I was to pin down to it, it would be David Tennant. As much as I, it's it's always between David Tennant or Tom Baker. Um, but I kind of, um, I've always gone for David Tennant just because of his approach to the role and the fact how much he he loves it and uh, just the sort of the delivery and the performance he always gave. Um, and it was always. At that time, in the sort of the the Doctor Who sort of mythos and all that, it was just after the the Time War, and you could see him struggling from from realizing what he had done, and the sort of the, the growth and the realization and the acceptance, I suppose, that he went through. So that's kind of why I've always loved um, David Tennant's version of the Doctor, um, just because of the performance he gave. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, the, the Tom Baker one is just great, and Tom Baker actually. Uh, probably has one of my favourite episodes, actually, uh, Genesis of the Daleks, um, which is just fantastic, and it's what he kind of goes through in that as well. Um, favourite companion? That's a tough one. Um, it's, I would always say it was probably... I see, I don't know what you're going to think of this, but Donna, for me, was a, a really good companion. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't know how much of a of a fan you were of Donna, Chris. Um, it, some people just really, really couldn't take to her. But the way I kind of liked the reason why I kind of liked Donna was it was a complete change to what we'd had before. In that, with Rose and Martha, there was always that kind of sort of love interest, I suppose, with mm-hmm. the Doctor, which. I was never kind of really used. That's I was never really used to that coming from the old um, the old Doctor uh, Who episodes. It was, it was always a kind of a, a new thing that they kind of brought in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Donna was kind of a more of a throwback to the old the old days of just a companion who just wanted to go and, and travel, and that was it. And um, was just this normal person who ended up doing fantastic things that they never thought possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and you knew, always knew from day one that there was never going to be that sort of will they, won't they kind of thing, I suppose, um, because Donna kind of made it straight straight away known that that's not what she was in for. Um, and Donna kind of, again, with the whole David Tennant thing, because the first ever episode we see Donna in was the Christmas special, when she uh, the Runaway Bride. Um, and she kind of... 
she started the, the David Tennant's doctor, the tenth doctor, down the path of realizing that he had to have someone with him to control him, basically, because he had this sort of anger in him, and that kind of sort of stems from the, the sort of the the issues that he was going through after the time war and everything. Um, and so Donna kind of helped him with that, which I always find really sort of impressive that you could that someone could write a story that this sort of normal human girl could help this all-powerful sort of Time Lord realise that actually he's not a bad person. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so they are probably... Donna, and um, who was played by wonderful actress uh, Catherine Tate, I don't know how, how much of other things people have seen of Catherine Tate, certainly outside the UK, but she's always mo- known for um, her comedy roles uh, through here in the, in the UK. Um, so we were already familiar with her, um, which is why maybe, I don't know, maybe some UK people took it to her a little bit easier than maybe outside the sort of UK and US and that, because maybe people weren't aware of, of her beforehand. Um, and her, her style um, can be very sort of chalk or cheese, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I, I It's funny that you brought her up because um, she is, I, I wouldn't call her my favorite uh, I, I would say that Amy and, to a lesser extent, Rory have, have been my favorite companions. But uh, mm. Donna is is certainly a, a very very close second to them. Um, in, in fact, I, I like her when, when it comes to uh, David Tennant because he had three different companions. Um, mm-hmm. She is by far the best uh, out of uh, her Rose and Martha. Um, I do like the fact that. You know, we it's like you said, we had Rose and and Martha who were more love interests and, and they had that that romantic nature uh, in them both. Um, and then when we had Donna, it was a real breath of fresh air. Um, mm-hmm. pr- probably one of the reasons that I liked her uh, more is because I was not a fan of Martha at all. I think um, she was... And it doesn't have anything to do with the the actress and more about the writing of the character. I think they wrote her trying too hard to be a a replacement of Rose. And it it just came off more as annoying. And they just tried too hard with her. And it it got to the point where I was just so annoyed with her. Like, I I couldn't even finish the season that she was in. Yeah. I had to to stop watching it and just uh, read the synopsis, which is pretty bad because, you know, that has the master in it at the end and it's a pretty big story. Mm -hmm. Um, But I had to just skip it and go straight to Donna's um, season because it just was not good to me. And um, yeah, so I'm I'm glad you mentioned that, that, that I I think the chemistry between, um, her and the doctor were really, really well done. Not just because I think, uh, Catherine Tate and David Tennant had good chemistry themselves, but I, I just think they, they wrote those two characters really smartly. Mm-hmm. And, um, we ended up getting, you know, a very, very memorable performance. And by, by the time that she leaves, you know, at, at least in my experience, um, as, as I've been watching Doctor Who live, uh, it was near the end of um, Amy and Rory's run as companions, and that was 
emotional for me because I had gotten really attached to both of them as companions. So when they left the show, especially in the manner that they did, it was, it was really sad. Um, I can't really say the same about Jenna Coleman's character, although it was, it was sad to see her leave, but I, I didn't have the emotional reaction. But when Donna left, even though it was just one season, it was gut wrenching. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I've never really, I've always been sort of, impact is I suppose when doctors have kind of sort of left and well regenerated uh, but the actors kind of left um, I've never really had that with companions but when you mentioned Amy and Rory there yeah it was the way that they kind of went out um, and I think because they went out together um, and you always kind of knew that that was going to happen I suppose if one was going to go the other one was going to fall it didn't matter which one it was Mm-hmm. Um, and Rory was a character who had the potential at the very start of his run of being really annoying um, and I kind of did start thinking like that but it wasn't until the episode and I can't remember the, the name of it but it's the one at Stonehenge and he mm-hmm. comes back and he's a centurion and you realise that for like 2,000 years he's protected the you know uh, the Pandorica because he knows you know, um, who's in it, then that kind of sort of goes, but he took a massive step up for me on that basis and that that time there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I was kind of really sad to see them go as well because actually, yeah, I mean, sort of Amy and Rory were really good companions and I'm kind of, there's a wee bit of bias there, I mean, because Karen Gillan, who plays Amy Pond, or who played Amy Pond, she's from Inverness as well. Um, so she's a, she's a hometown girl. Um and again, actually, I've met her as well, actually, in a in a local pub in Inverness as well. So, um, so yeah, I'm kind of biased when it comes to to her. And actually, um, even though not my favourite doctor, not my favourite companion, I've got a life size cutout of Matt Smith and Karen Gillan together from the first run. So that sits in in my room. So that's quite cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, that is great. Me and my wife saw, yeah, me and my wife saw it in the comic book store here in Inverness years mm-hmm. ago. I'm like, right, we need that for the house. So, yeah, it's good. So, it's cool. Um, I I actually had the chance to meet Karen uh, at New York Comic Con this past October. But unfortunately, because she was uh, filming at that time, she had to back out. So, I was going to, I was like right about to buy her photo op to have a picture taken with her. Um, But it was like two days before I was going to buy it, and I saw that. Uh, she had canceled, so hopefully oh, no. I can go back um, to New York this year, and hopefully she will be there again, and I can uh, redeem myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So who's so you mentioned obviously your favorite companions there. So who's your favorite Doctor then? Uh, it's a really, it's honestly really difficult. Um, I, I go through m- my gut always says nine. Because he was the first uh, doctor that I watched, um, I, I wasn't, uh, I, I didn't do what a lot of people told me to do, and um, skip him and go straight to David Tennant. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I started right from the beginning, and he, I just fell in love with the character. Um, I, I think uh, Chris Eccleston really did a marvelous job, um, mm-hmm. and it's. Given how much Doctor Who has changed just in the modern series, um, from then to now is just, it, it's crazy to think that he, he kind of, he started 
he started something within the character that makes a lot of sense now, especially after we've seen the war doctor and we've seen, um, you know, just how long the effects of the time war had on him as a character. And the fact that he was just going off of that for one season, I, I think he brought so much to the character, um, just in that one season alone. But I, I do love David Tennant and Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi as well. Um, probably, I, I would say Tennant is the, is the closest to uh, over, over, overstepping Chris. But um, I, and I always said that when, when Peter uh, started his run that he had potential as well. But I think some of his stories have been poorly written and, and yeah. the arcs haven't been as great as I was expecting them to be. And it has nothing to do with him as, you know, him as the doctor. I think it's more of the writing staff, uh, than his fault. But, um, yeah, so I, I would have to say nine for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chris Rexon, when he came back, um, or when he brought the sort of the doctor back, it was, he kind of sort of gave this, it was like a, a version of the Doctor we'd never kind of really seen before, I suppose. The closest you would maybe have gotten to it would have been uh, the third Doctor, um, who's played by Sean Pertwee, because he was a little bit more of a an action Doctor, I suppose, in a certain way. Um, and that's kind of the closest um, the old Doctors had got to the style that um, Christopher Eccleston had brought to it. But yeah, it was kind of it was a it was a really good way to bring the sort of the the season and the sort of the Doctor Who program back with having sort of a high profile name like that. I think if they'd gone because obviously like David Tennant was really pretty much an unknown. He'd done a couple of little things, but that's it. And Matt Smith was the same. Mm-hmm. But I think they kind of did have to go for a high profile name of in Chris Eccleston to kind of give it that gravitas, I suppose. To bring it back, so and it worked, but uh, it was a pity he only stayed for one season because it would have been really interesting to see where he kind of took that character. Um, yeah. But yeah, but I mean the the transition, and that's 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 the weird thing about Doctor Who, and no other program does it, is that um, you know different actors play the one character, so it's always fascinating to see what they bring to what's essentially the same person. Mm-hmm. You know the the appearance change. And obviously, slight things with the personalities change and all that as well. But it's always when you get a new doctor, it's always the same thing. There's a, there's a joke with the sort of the Whovians in that you know you're always going, no, 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 you can't change the doctor, can't change the doctor, and then you hear who's going to be going, no, no, I'm going to hate that, hate that, and then within the next year, he's like the favorite doctor you've ever had, and yeah, um, and so you know, they always bring. There's never been a, a bad doctor. Um, as well, and speaking of like not getting, you know, I was saying about Chris Eccleston only having the one season, it would have been really, really good to see what Paul McGann had did as well. So obviously yes. he only had he only had the TV movie, and then he had the two little shorts that were done um, ahead of the fiftieth anniversary special. But it would have been really, really good because even in that little bit that he did in that sort of that time frame. He still brought something completely different to to the role as well, um, and I would have really liked to have seen. And there's always been rumours about going back and doing um, some sort of stories for the Eighth Doctor, but I don't think I'll ever happen. Um, but it would have been really good to see what, what Paul McGann did. 
Yeah, I, I think the closest we'll ever get to that is the audio uh, stories yeah. that they're doing. Yeah, I by um, Big Finish. Yeah, I think that probably is the closest we'll ever get to it. Unless they either do sort of one-off little shorts again, but yeah, I can't ever see us getting like a, a season or a mini-season with him in it, unfortunately. So what do you... Uh, given that you have... Um, past experience with Doctor Who uh, previous to the 2005, um, I guess, reboot, you could call it. Yeah. Uh, what, what What? do you, like, I, I know a lot of people have, have problems, uh, especially those that know only 2005 and on Who as, you know, Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um, what, you know, personally, I can't go back and watch classic Who. It just... I mean, it, it, I'm not saying that it's bad. It's just not something that can hold my attention, which probably yeah. goes to say some about my age. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not the only person that feels that way. Uh, what, is your, what is your take on that? Like, h- how was it going from Classic Who to what we have now and then trying to uh, juggle those differences? So when I started watching... Doctor Who for the first time ever. It was the the early eighties. Um, so my first Doctor was actually Peter Davison, um, who is of course now David Tennant's father-in-law. Um, so yeah, and I just remember because my dad was a big Doctor Who fan, or it was still is a big Doctor Who fan. So he sat me down and when I was I don't know like three or four or whatever, and you know, said you go watch this program. So. Uh, those days, it was, I'm not going to say it was a children's program. I mean, that's how it was initially, back in the 60s when it was initially um, recorded and started that. That's how it was done. It was done as a children's program. And the idea behind it was that, you know, when they went back in time, it was to teach children history. And when they went either to different planets or in the future, that was to teach them science. That was all premise behind Doctor Who. So... It was a lot different because the I'm not going to say the stories weren't sort of darker or didn't have deeper meaning to it, but it was it was completely different. If you if you watched the two programs back to back and you weren't told what the name of it was, I don't think you would realise straight away that the two were linked. Um, and it's not that there was anything wrong with them. I I can understand why people say. That they struggled to go, they would struggle to go back to watch those episodes, because some of them they can be kind of hard to watch, I suppose, especially if you're used to the more modern uh, version. I mean, for example, you know, I mean the the special effects for for a start are like streets and light years ahead of what it was back in the eighties mm-hmm. and seventies, even. You know, I mean, there was the joke about you know, sort of rubber monsters and uh, sort of moving sets and everything as well, which you don't get nowadays on any programme, I suppose. So that's the the big difference. But then I think because they didn't rely, or they couldn't rely on special effects, they had to rely more on the story. So the story arcs were kind of different. When you had a season, it basically, it would be like three, four, five parters rather than maybe sort of a two-part story you get nowadays if you're kind of lucky. So it would kind of sort of, the story itself would span more episodes. Mm -hmm. And I think, because you had lots of different people 
writing for, I mean, Douglas Adams, who did Hitchhiker's Guide, he wrote episodes for, for Doctor Who. Um, so you had lots of different sort of people that were cutting their teeth uh, on writing episodes uh, for the series. So I think the storytelling might have been, in my opinion, I think would be slightly better. I mean, I, I mentioned earlier on about probably my, one of my favourite episodes is Genesis of the Daleks, and that's a Tom Baker um, story. And I don't know if you've ever had the chance. I know, I know you said you haven't seen it, but if you ever get the chance to go back and watch, my recommendation would be to go back and watch the Genesis of the Daleks because it kind of explains about where the Daleks come from and um, the, the the fourth Doctor is put on to, to Scarrow to um, to sort of look into what's happening with them. And he's placed there by the Time Lords. Um, and the story itself is just fantastic. I mean, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone who's not seen it, um, but it's just the Doctor's left with this option and it's just what does he do and it's um it's just it's a brilliant episode i've got it on dvd my dad got it for me for a birthday or a christmas or something because he knew that i kind of loved that episode and tom baker was one of my favorite doctors so um but yeah i will agree that it's a lot easier probably to watch the newer episodes mm-hmm. than the older ones yeah i i know that that's when you said Genesis of the Daleks, it's one thing that um, has always uh, been in the back of my mind to watch just because I've heard it so many times uh, and people have recommended it to me so many times now to watch it. Um, and, you know, I, I think they even um, put the story or like an audio version of the story out on, on final on a record. Oh, right. I, I think I might be wrong, but that sounds like something that I've seen before. Um, and all of my record shopping. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that, that's certainly one of the popular ones. And, you know, it's, it's Tom Baker. So, yeah. Um, so, he, he's probably, uh, the most popular of the classic doctors or at least yeah. the most well-known, I would say. Yeah. I mean, whenever you see, whenever you see the likes of family guy or the Simpsons do something of Dr. Who, it's always the Tom Baker version that they use with that long scarf. Yeah. So it's when, when when people think of Doctor Who, automatically they'll picture Tom Baker with his hat on, with his long coat, and with his multicoloured scarf um, as well. So yeah, I mean that's that kind of sums up Doctor Who straight away. But yeah, I mean Tom Baker just brought something to that role, and I think it's because up to that point, the three Doctors that had come before him um, were great and fantastic Doctors, but he kind of brought something a little bit different to it and you can kind of see traits in Tom Baker's Doctor within the way David Tennant and Matt Smith kind of delivered theirs and I suppose Matt Smith a wee bit more just in one minute you could be joking around and the next it's completely deadly serious mm-hmm. um so yeah, I think out of all the, the modern doctors, Matt Smith's probably been the closest to Tom Baker. I I would think, anyway. Um, and it, it was that was one of the things I loved about Matt Smith. And here's a perfect example about what I said earlier on. When Matt Smith got first announced, I remember they did a, the BBC did like a special and they were talking about it. And all of a sudden, his face appeared in the TV, and me and my wife were like, "Who's that?" 
And I was just like, I'm going to hate this. I'm going to hate this. I'm just, no, I don't like it. Don't like it. And yet within the first, after the, that first episode, I was kind of like, yeah, I'm sold. Yeah, done and dusted. Mm-hmm. Um, but Matt Smith, there was always that argument about, oh, he's too young. He's too young to play the Doctor. But, and I put this down to his acting, because I think he's a fantastic actor. He he could give a look, or he could do or say something, and you could actually believe that he was a lot older than he was. I mean, when he played, the 11th Doctor was like a 1,000 years old, 1,100 years old. Mm-hmm. And just the way he kind of would deliver lines, and the way he would speak to people and all that, you kind of got the impression that this was an old man talking. Yeah. Um, as well and it's just it's the one thing I'll always remember about Matt Smith's doctor in that he was able to deliver and he he made it believe that yeah he'd been around for a long long time and he'd seen and done a lot of things Um, and I love that about Matt Smith's doctor Um, and I suppose Tom Baker kind of gave that a wee bit as well and that's why I've always I always have those two in mind together when I think of that style of doctor because I think those two are the ones that are closest to that Mm mm-hmm yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, it, it does. It helps too that, um, you know, I, I think Tom Baker is the one that really put Doctor Who at least back in back then over the top um, in, in terms of like more mainstream success. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know, that's again, that's uh, what people at least, even if they've not even seen Classic Who, like they they see Tom Baker and they're like, oh yeah, that's the Fourth Doctor. Uh, mm-hmm. They know who he is. Uh, yeah. And similarly, Matt Smith is the same way. Um, you know, as popular as David Tennant was, Doctor Who really didn't take off in the way that it is now in the States until Matt Smith came along. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, I think that the fact that um, so many young people were at least able to relate to Matt Smith, and, you know, not saying that he's some 20, 21, 22-year-old teenager, um, or young adult, I should say, but... Um, uh, I feel like just because of that 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 similarity in age is is something that um, really helped people catch on, and like you said, the fact that he also was able to uh, portray actually portray a thousand plus year old old man, mm-hmm. um, yeah. just despite despite being um, you know not a very well-versed actor, uh, you know, compared to, to some people. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, it was fantastic what he did. Yeah. So why don't we start talking a little bit about the current season? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I assume that you're caught up with it. Yes. Uh, and I know, are you just about caught up or are you caught up fully now? I, I am caught up fully as of last night. Uh, actually I, I hadn't, just I had not had time to watch any of this new season, which is crazy to think about because usually I would I would watch um, before I had BBC America I, w- I would track down uh, way, ways to watch the um, <laughs> episode as soon as they aired over in the UK, like even before uh, they had their official US airing, mm. and um, this season for some reason I just I, I don't know if it, if it was the long wait. Uh, that we had in between um, the season and last or, or, or mm. what, but um, yeah, it took me a, a while to do it. And I finally, uh, I sat down and I watched the first two episodes one night and then the next night I watched the next two. Um, 
I, I should probably warn our listeners that I, I imagine there will be some spoiler talk. So if, if, if you've not listened to, or if you're not, if you've not watched, um, the, the current season all the way through, uh, you might want to skip ahead a little bit. I'll try, we'll try not to spoil. I mean, there's nothing really, um, at least arc wise that has happened yet, but, um, as far as individual stories go, we'll probably be spoiling something. So, uh, skip ahead if you've not watched it yet, or if you don't care about spoilers, keep listening. Um, so just general thoughts, uh, cause mm-hmm. this is, um, th- this is kind of a, a milestone season of Doctor Who. We have, uh, Peter Capaldi's last season, the mm-hmm. introduction of Bill Potts as a companion. This yeah. is Stephen Moffat's last, um, season as writer and showrunner. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of the, the end of an era almost. Um, yeah. And, and- I, I guess I can go first. Um, yeah. And then I'll, I'll, I'll let you go from there. Uh, I had really no expectations, um, with this season going in, aside from the fact that I, I've heard very, uh, contrasting opinions. I've heard some people love it. I heard some people just absolutely hate it. So I, I really didn't, I, there was not, not really any, any middle ground. Um, so I didn't know, really know what to expect. That being said, when I watched uh, the first episode, the pilot, um, I got the feeling of uh, something similar to like previous um, new companion, like the, the the new companion episodes, especially Rose. Um, mm-hmm. That one in particular followed her really around as the main character, and the, the Doctor was just kind of in the background, really, until the uh, second act of the of the episode. And that's really how this one was. We got a, a very nice introduction to Bill, who um, I, I can't remember the actress that plays her off the top of my head. But so far, she's not doing anything that is, has won me over completely. But she's not doing anything to really uh, make it detrimental to her, like I, I've seen some people just say, oh, she's the worst companion, you know, in the entire modern Doctor Who run. And I definitely don't agree with that, at least right now. Um, but I, I will say my, my feelings overall on the episodes are, it's, they're okay. I, I've seen people say that this is the best start to a Doctor Who season since, I don't know, like the 10th Doctor, but, um, I would very strongly disagree with that. Uh, the pilot was a good episode. I really liked it uh, visually. I think it, it was very well done. And um, the, the tone and the colors looked a lot like uh, season one did, which was uh, a very um, good thing to me because I have a very, not only because nine is my favorite doctor, but I, I have a very soft spot for the first season. Um, but uh, Thin Ice was good. Uh, Smile was eh. Um, I it, it's one of those that it's it's a neat concept with the whole emoji thing, but yeah. that that's one thing that you know years later we're going to look back on it and people are probably going to be like asking, well, what are emojis? Like, why yeah. was this a thing? Um, that and I'm sure that I could probably go back and um 
name a few other Doctor Who episodes that are like that as well. But uh, perhaps the biggest disappointment for me was the most recent episode that's aired, um, Knock Knock. And I, I had really high hopes for that. Uh, I, I, I saw the preview at the end of um, Thin Ice, and I was like, oh, that looks really good. Because I, I like the uh, the scary or the more creepy episodes of Doctor Who. And I was watching it, and it started off really well with the, uh, you know, the creepy house and the sounds and there's something in the walls. And then I'm like, okay, well, this is going somewhere. And like halfway through, they introduced the bugs. And then um, the landlord's, uh, what turns out to be his daughter, not his wife, like he had been saying, and she's like made of wood or something. It just, it did not work for me. And I hate bugs in, like already. So maybe that was part of it. But no, I, I said this on Twitter actually while I watched it. Um, that one thing Doctor Who has done really well in the past is it makes you think, it makes you scared of something that is you know, just like a typical everyday thing that normally you would have no reason to be scared of. Uh, mm -hmm. the prime example being the statues or the, the weeping angels and believe, yeah. um, that was one of my favorite episodes of Doctor Who. And, you know, there, there's a reason that it's so famous, uh, with the fandom. And I don't know this, I, I felt like this had the potential to do that with the, with the house aesthetic, but bugs really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was kind of like that as well with you. Uh, sort of thinking of the bugs, it was just like it was a letdown to what could have been a potential of being a really good episode, not just of this season, but going down as one of sort of the, the really good scary Doctor Who um, uh, shows. But it just, yeah, it did just let itself down there. So um, what, what have you thought of, of the season so far? Yeah, I was kind of a bit like you. I was kind of going into it not, 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 not that I wasn't expecting too much, but Peter Capaldi for me has been a great doctor. I mean, as an actor, I love Peter Capaldi anyway. He's been one of my favourite actors. He starred in one of my favourite shows of all time, The Thick of It. I don't know if you've ever seen that, The Thick of It. I have not. Right, you know Veep? Yes. Um, written by the same guy, uh, Amanda Urinucci. So it's basically the UK version of Veep. Oh, okay. uh, Peter Capaldi is in that, and he plays the, the, the Prime Minister's communications director, and every second word that comes out of his mouth is a swear word. And... <laughs> It's just absolutely hilarious. If you get a chance to watch that, watch it. It's just brilliant. Just for Peter Capaldi's performance in that alone. So I've always I've always liked Peter Capaldi. And I always thought, when you got named as the Doctor, I was like, actually, this is the one time that I could turn around and go, yeah, I'm buying this as the Doctor. So I was really quite disappointed in his last season. But not because of him, because I think the writing's let him down. Mm -hmm. Um and I'm kind of reluctant to put all of the blame on Stephen Moffat, but because he's written some fantastic episodes of Doctor Who when he wasn't the showrunner. 
Um, I think this is maybe what the problem is, is that he is the showrunner and not just writing the odd episode. So, like, you mentioned there about um, you know, the episode Blink. You know, he wrote that, if I remember rightly. So he created The Weeping Angels. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote um, the episodes in the library uh, when we first met River Song. So he can do sort of scary Doctor Who episodes, and he does really, he makes really good characters in that as well. Um, but I was, so yeah, so I wasn't going in with much sort of, um, not hope, but I was kind of like, well, I wasn't letting it get myself built up for it, I suppose. But the first episode, um, I really liked. Um, and again, like you, I kind of had that impression of being like the first season. It was very, and I don't know if it was the camera shots that they were doing or the sequence or the editing, but it was very, very um, similar to the first ever episode when we first, uh, in Christopher Eccleston's run, when we meet Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I was sitting there, I was kind of getting that impression going, yeah, I've seen it, but it's, I like it, it was good. And the the character Bill Potts um, played uh, Pearl Mackey, yeah, um, I'm kind of really warming to her as well, really liked her in that episode. I thought it was quite good that it was companion-led, that episode, rather than Doctor-led, because the one thing about Doctor Who has always been is that you should be looking at it through the eyes of the companion and not the other way around. I know some people sort of get a wee bit um, worked up that it's always too much about the companion and all that as well, and I know that was one of the complaints about uh, Clara um, when Jenna Coleman did it as well, that it was very sort of Clara heavy in that as well, but I've always kind of sort of seen that sort of through the eyes of the companion is how you should be really looking at um, Doctor Who. So I kind of liked it from that version. So uh, yeah, I was really happy with the the episode, the pilot as well. And there was one, it was a nice little touch that they did, and I don't know if you picked up on it or not, but the the girl that Bill had the little sort of crush on was called Heather. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first Doctor, William Hartnell, was known as Bill, and his wife was called Heather. So, knowing knowing what's, how Stephen Moff is, and being, being a massive Doctor Who fan that he is, I'm kind of assuming that was done on purpose, as a nice little nod um, to sort of William Hartnell and his wife. So that was, that was a nice little touch, I kind of like that. Um, the episodes um, in, in London on the Thames, uh, the nice, yeah, I like that as well. Um, it was quite good that he didn't go down the route of, oh, it must be an alien fish. It was just that, yeah, it's just sort of big fish. Um, so that was quite good. And again, you could see the interaction again between Bill and the Doctor as well, sort of building up. You know, she was sort of questioning him and, on things as well. And Pierre Capaldi is able to sort of deliver his his lines in a in a comedy way that's really quite good. You know, when he's trying to sort of speak with the kids in in sort of 1800 or 1900 sort of London. He's using all this sort of modern day lingo and thinking he's sort of down with the kids and all that. I just kind of, just the way he kind of delivers that, I kind of like it's quite good. Uh, third episode um, with uh, the emojis. And I think, um, yeah, it, it was bugged me a wee bit. No, sorry, the Emojis one was the second episode, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the Emojis one, 
I don't know, I wasn't a massive fan of it. I don't know if it was because, yeah, it was kind of like really that far in the future, we'd still have emojis, really. And it was just, the way that it got tied up at the end seemed to be very convenient in that you could press a button and all the robots would forget that they were needing to kill people, but yet they still remembered that they lived there. I don't know, it was just, it seemed very rushed. I think some, if you're going to a story like that, again, that might have been lent itself to maybe a two-parter. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it's kind of, the end of it just seemed, oh, we need to think how can we end this, or how about we just do a reset with a sonic screwdriver. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so the episode that's just gone, after after the first three episodes, I was kind of like, yeah, this is going to be really good. I'm really getting into it. And then it was. It was kind of a letdown. And it was. It was because it was bugs. And I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. It's just, you could have made it something so much sort of better. I mean, they've kind of done the, the haunted house before as well. They did it um, three seasons ago, I think it was. Was it Matt Smith's last season? I think they kind of did the the haunted house sort of um, aspect of it. They could have gone down that route again, but I, again, it was just, it could have been so much, and then it kind of just sort of fell flat a wee bit at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the acting, it's I, I can't fault the acting of um, either Peter Capaldi or Pearl Markey. Um, it's been great, and I kind of like the chemistry that's building up between the two of them um, as well. Um, so yeah, what do you think of Bill as a companion so far? How how is she holding up to you or for you? I yeah, I like her because um, she seems to be kind. She's not just she's not just there just to do whatever kind of the doctor says. You know, she'll I can see as the season goes on that she'll question him more and more. Mm-hmm. as well and if she doesn't I kind of get the impression if she doesn't agree with something she'll make it known which yeah. is quite good because you should always kind of have you should always have someone kind of questioning the doctor and I think that kind of harks back to when I was saying about Donna's first ever um, encounter with uh, the 10th doctor you know she was she didn't have sort of any fear about turning around and telling them exactly what kind of she thought he needed to have or needed to do um, as well. Mm-hmm. So I think kind of Bill, Bill's got that that aspect to her as well. Um, and I'm kind of really looking forward to seeing how that continues. And I'm kind of hoping that it's not good. I know we were saying that, you know, this is Peter Capaldi's last season. It's going to be Stephen Moffat's last season. I kind of, I don't want to see it that she goes as well. Because mm-hmm. um, I always think it's quite good that companion stays and a new doctor comes along, and then there has to be that adjustment because um, the companions used to how the doctor's been some way, and it kind of keeps the audience there as well as a bit of um, you know to keep them along with it as well, mm-hmm. um, so that you feel you're not the only one that's having to get used to a new doctor. The companions having to get used to a new doctor as well. So I kind of hope she does stay, but it all depends, I suppose, who gets the role of the doctor. Yeah. I, I was thinking this, uh, especially in the episode Thin Ice. Um, I think that the companion between, or the, the companion, the uh, chemistry between the two actors are really nice. Um, mm-hmm. 
it's something that even though I, I liked 12 and, um, uh, Clara Os, uh, Oswald as, as a duo, it was, there's something different about, uh, 12 and Bill. Yeah. And, um, I, I, I think it comes down to the fact that the, uh, Peter and Pearl have, have really good chemistry together. And, um, I, I think that's something that, uh, David Tennant and Catherine Tate had as well. And that's what made that duo work, uh, at yeah. least for me. And this, this so far is really what, um, that, that's kind of the, uh, in terms of, uh, the doctor and their, uh, his companion, that is, really what I'm comparing it to right now is um, the 10th doctor and Donna, because that's, I, I feel like that, uh, that, that idea is um, of, of a companion questioning the doctor and, and making him think and um, not always just being, you know, the, the second hand in tow. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think this is, this is the way that at least, Based on what I've what we've seen right now, um, I, I think that's how uh, Bill is being portrayed, and I, I certainly hope that continues. I know there was a rumor going around, um, I think probably last month now, uh, maybe even longer before that, that said that um, Bill was going to be replaced at the end of the season, which mm. I I could see why they would do it because they want to start fresh uh, with a completely new doctor, new companion, new showrunner, all that. But I, I think it would be a, right now, um, assuming that my opinion of Bill doesn't go down uh, drastically. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a mistake. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, because I mean, I know that they did that. I mean, obviously, last time when they changed showrunner and doctor, that was when David Tennant left. So obviously, they did. They changed everyone then, you know, that's when Matt Smith came in and then um, Karen Gilland came in as Amy Pond and Stephen Moffat took over. So I could see maybe why they would want to do that, but I kind of hope they keep some sort of consistency there mm-hmm. uh, as well. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes forward and what Stephen Moffat does, whether he wants to sort of go out and have big bang I suppose um, so yeah but it all depends on what he has planned for the arc mm-hmm. uh, story arc for the season as well because um, I mean I have my thoughts on who's behind that vault I don't know if you do uh, I do have uh, thoughts that actually materialized last night I, think, I, oh, I yeah. was listening to um, a Doctor Who podcast called Bad Wolf Radio yeah. And they were talking about who they think behind who is behind um, the door in the vault, and I was thinking to myself, I don't think it's that, but it would be cool. Um, but before I say mine, I want to hear yours. Right. Well, I know it's not a spoiler because it's been announced that he's coming back. So John Sims coming back as the master, and that was all over. Like, um, I think the BBC announced it. Um, so I, I don't know if it'll be his version of the master, but I think it will. It'll either be uh, Missy or it'll be the uh, previous version of the master. That's who I think it's in there. Because hmm. when you look at the the outside of the vault, and I kind of started thinking this after the first episode actually, because the symbols on the vault are Galathian, 
So I was thinking, well, is that something that maybe the Time Lords have given you to to sort of look after, basically? Because the Time Lords kind of know that the only person that can have any sort of form of control, if you can call it that, over the Master has always been the Doctor. You know, the Time Lords have always have always struggled with dealing with the Master, um, and they've always kind of left up to the, the Doctor to sort of deal with him or her now. Um, so, yeah, that's my kind of thoughts. What about you? Uh, well, see, I would agree with you normally um, that it would be the Master, because that's what I was thinking too, or or if not, then Missy, but <sighs> I feel like that's too easy. Um, knowing Stephen Moffat, he always tries to uh, have this big reveal, and mm. I, I feel like in his last season, he would not make it that easy. I feel like um, it's it's either going to be no one significant or nothing important behind the uh, behind the door in the vault, or it'll be some something related to the first Doctor. Ah, oh. and I, I I don't I don't want to say it would be the first Doctor himself because why would the you know yeah I, I don't see that happening but um i i would have a feeling that it's it's something to do with the first doctor now you see you mentioned that now there's already been a rumor that i've heard that the first doctor's granddaughter susan mm-hmm. would make an appearance now she was in the first ever episode of doctor who um, because you see her going to school, mm-hmm. um, and that's who it was. The, it was the Doctor and her that ran away from Gallifrey at the very start and stole the TARDIS. So, if it was anything related to the first Doctor, it could be her. Why she would be kept in a vault, though, I don't know. But, um, and it's a, yeah. I mean, like I said, I've heard, heard rumours because there was a photograph of her on the desk mm-hmm. next to River Song. Um, and so I don't know if that's where the rumours kind of started, but um, if it was anyone or anything linked to the first Doctor, there could be potential of her, but again, you'd have to query why she would be in a vault, unless, of course, she's gone bad. Yeah. But that's an interesting thing. It's one that I've not heard before, but ah, that's... Yeah. But yeah, you're right about Stephen Moffat. He's kind of... He doesn't... He doesn't go for the simple. And mm-hmm. I suppose that's, when I mentioned it earlier, that's maybe been his problem with showrunner. I've always likened the issue with Stephen Moffat is very similar to the issue with Star Wars and George Lucas. You know, George Lucas gave us this universe and galaxy of Star Wars and we'll always be grateful to him for that. Mm-hmm. But with the, the prequels, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not, I'm a prequel hater because I'm not a prequel hater, but I grew up with the the original, so the prequels were always not what I'd always imagined in my head. Mm. So there's always this issue that some Star Wars fans have that it's not that they don't, it's not that they hate George Lucas, but they they just sort of think, oh, you could have done so much better. And Doctor Who fans are kind of the same with Stephen Moffat in that, yeah, he's given us these great episodes of Doctor Who. Um, and he's done so well, he's written great and great stories, but 
when it comes to the crunch, he's kind of let us down recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's um, I'm always kind of sort of swithering whether I'm a, a Stephen Moffat fan or not. And nine times out of ten, I fall on the side of, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, you've got to like Stephen Moffat for what he's given us in the past. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with George Lucas. You've always got to like George Lucas because he's given us Star Wars. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, so, and I always kind of remind myself when I'm watching the prequels going, yeah, but he's given us this, you know what I mean? So, um, without him, there there wouldn't be this this wonderful uh, sort of galaxy to, to discover. But, um, yeah, but it'll be interesting to see how he ends this season. Mm-hmm. And like you say, yeah, he's not going to do anything sort of simple um, and sort of easy because that's just not his way. I mean, if you ever watch Sherlock, I mean, that's some of the most complicated TV ever written um, sort of recently but um, yeah so he doesn't like to do the simple mm-hmm. um, but yeah so obviously so we're going to be going into a brand new sort of area with Doctor Who and obviously Peter Capaldi is going to be replaced who do you think or who would you want to replace him oh that is a great question um oh. I'll be honest, I don't have a specific name in mind, and I've not actually uh, took time to look at rumors um, about who will be, or who could potentially be cast. Um, I would like to see, because I know we went from a, a young doctor to an older doctor, and I would kind of like to see... Um, them go back to maybe a a, a more middle aged um, a middle aged guy. I, I don't I, I don't think they'll go as young as Matt Smith was, um, and I'm not sure how old he was uh, when he first started, but um, probably somewhere in the middle. I, I would like to see uh, just because I I, I don't want to have like a, a rip off of Peter Capaldi or a rip off of Matt Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It feels just like yesterday that Matt Smith left. So mm-hmm. I don't think you could really go back to somebody um, uh, of his generation just yet. Um, so, but I'm just going to keep really keep my keep my expectations uh, open and, and not really uh, worry about who the next Doctor will be until it's announced. What about you? Mm-hmm. Um, well, see, the rumors going right now. I don't know if it's. Uh, any rumours that anyone else has kind of heard outside the UK, but supposedly an actor called Chris Marshall, and he's probably more known in the UK than he is anywhere else. If you would have seen him in anything, he had like a, a smallish part in the film Love Actually years ago. But basically bookmakers here in the UK have kind of closed the books on him getting it, um, which he's probably around the same age as sort of Matt Smith, David Tennant, so they Going down that route, but that's what the rumor is. But that's not who I'd want, and I'm going to be quite controversial. There's probably some Doctor Who fans listening to this that all want to shout at me. But <laughs> um, and I've had this this before. I say this name. This isn't just something that's recent. When I first saw this actress, um, I said straight away, "I'm going. She would make a fantastic Doctor." Um, Haley Atwell. Yes. Um, when I first saw her in. Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, just the whole persona that she had and the attitude. 
um, of playing a female in the armed forces at that time, um, I was just going, she would be a brilliant doctor. Yeah. Um, so I've always kind of said, I sort of had in the back of my mind going, yeah, that would be good. And any time a change has come up, I'm going, like when they changed from Matt Smith to Peter Capaldi, part of me was going, mm, would the BBC be brave enough to go for a female? And then I remember, I don't think she's on Twitter anymore, but she used to be on Twitter. And someone did ask her the question, would you ever like to be in Doctor Who? And her reply to that was, no, I want to be the Doctor. And as soon as I saw that, I was going, right, someone in the BBC has got to see this and phone her agent up straight away and offer her the job. Um, and that was a few years ago um, as well. So I'm kind of, it's probably a long shot because I can't see the BBC going down the route of casting a female Doctor. I don't know why they wouldn't. There's no reason, rhyme or reason why they wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've already sort of cast the master in a female role and that's proven to be brilliant um it's fantastic. i can't remember off the top of my head the actress's name but she's fantastic um i love her as in her portrayal as uh missy mm-hmm. so Haley atwell for me i think would make a fantastic doctor just because of her her persona that i think she would bring to that role yeah i i fully agree with you um I the, the idea of a female doctor, personally, I have no issue with. I, I'm not one of those that are like, well, the doctor's always been a guy, so it, you know, that's just how it has to be. Um, I I think that they would have to do it correctly. Um, mm-hmm. There is certainly a way they could just mess it all up, and it, it would really hurt the fandom. I think, and would really divide it. Uh, e- even if people are are accepting of a female doctor, they they might not like the way she's written or uh, the the way the story goes. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I I'd certainly lo- I love your idea, and I would uh, get behind that one hundred percent. I just hope that the people that are in charge of Doctor Who would treat her with um treat her or really any actress that they would get if they decide to do a female doctor um i hope that they would do it with respect and uh the kind of admiration that uh she would deserve yeah and it would be interesting um because we know that uh bill um is a is uh attracted to girls as we saw with yeah um, yeah the pilot and then she kind of reinforced it in uh um the most recent episode not knock mm-hmm. and that's something that um i don't know if we ever had a gay companion uh before i don't th- at least one that was open about it um but i i really applaud the way they're they're handling that because you know that's also a, a tricky subject um that could could divide fans but i think that um They've handled that really well, and yeah. if you have a a female doctor um, to put alongside Bill, you know, and I, I don't think they would go around go down the romance route just because um, that would feel very cliche and yeah. uh, almost too expected. But mm-hmm. um, it would, you know, certainly uh, present a good a good possibility if that would were to happen. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it really just I mean- depends, honestly. Yeah, I mean, of course, the, I suppose the nearest to that we've had is Captain Jack, who mm-hmm. was 
suppose um, he was kind of sort of um, he was written that way as well. And the person who was writing for him, Russell T. Davis, who was the showrunner there at the time as well, he was sort of known for his um, TV programs about sort of the, the gay community and all that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, as well, so he the the shows always kind of lent itself um, to writing a characters that are gay uh, and unopened about it and not making like a, a big deal of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the way that they did with Captain Jack, that was really good. It wasn't, you know, they didn't, they could have camped him up and all that as well. Um, but, you know, it's sort of credit to the right and credit to sort of John Barman there as well because he's a fantastic actor. Um, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he was really good. And there's one, there's one character that I think people have always asked if they were going to come back. Yeah. It's Captain Jack. Um, and I'd kind of like to see Captain Jack to come back. It would be interesting to see how Captain Jack would interact with the Twelfth Doctor. I think I don't think the Twelfth Doctor would have a lot of time for him, <laughs> um, to be honest with you. So it would be really it would be interesting to see how that chemistry kind of um, went. But that'd be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like that would be um, one because I, I think we saw. Um, Jack with nine, obviously, and then we saw Jack with ten. Mm-hmm. We didn't. Know, we haven't seen him since the tenth Doctor, have we? No, he didn't. Because he, he was mainly yeah. doing Torchwood at the time, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, no, we never saw him interact um, with number eleven. Yeah, you never got a chance with Matt Smith. Hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was definitely good doctor. to have him back. I think. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, his run sort of ended with um, number ten. So yeah, but yeah, it would be good to have him back at some point. Mm-hmm. So before we wrap up this episode, uh, I want to get. Um, I, I want uh, you to have a chance to like put out your Twitter name if you want to, but mm-hmm. um, give me one bold prediction for the rest of uh, this season of Doctor Who. Ooh. Um... Do, 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 do. Well, what could happen is, and I suppose this harks back to Stephen Moffat springing a surprise. Um, Pierre Capaldi could go before the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be the the thing that Stephen Moffat kind of leaves us with, and kind of just you know, cause what was the, when he was leaving. It was said, yeah, and he'll do the Christmas special, and that'll be it. Yeah, but yeah, if I was gonna if if I was gonna make any bold prediction, um, but not gonna put my house in it, um, yeah, Peter Capaldi to go before the tenth episode or the last episode, yeah. Okay, I I can see that. What about yourself? Mine would have to be, um, and I spent a little bit of time thinking about this. I think that we'll get some kind of appearance by another doctor. If Ooh. not in this season, then in the Christmas special. Ah. And I'm not, I'm not saying uh, the one after Peter. I'm saying like a previous yeah, a previous doctor. doctor. Yep. Ah. Any particular one or? Uh, probably the first, honestly. Um Mainly because there were, I saw a rumor that, uh, I can't remember who played, um, William Hartnell in that Adventures of Time and Space, 
uh, special. But oh, that uh, guy kind of hinted that he may have some involvement with Doctor Who in the future. So, right, yeah, yeah, that was a. I loved that episode actually. That was that was fantastic about mm-hmm. the sort of um, William Hartnell himself. Yeah, I can't remember the actor's name, but he was um, Walder Frey in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, yeah. Every time I see him now, I just can't forgive him for the red wedding. But that's fine. I'll, I'll get over it. <laughs> I'll, I'll get over it. Yeah, it's the only time because I I read uh, a Song of Ice and Fire before uh, watching Game of Thrones, and it's the only time I've put down a book and refused to pick it back up for a long time is when I read about the Red Wedding, and it's just it's horrible, horrible. <laughs> yeah, so I'll get over it one day. It was fine. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. sure you're not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, um, actually, it's funny because. Um, Word you were having a baby girl in August, mm-hmm. and one of the names that I kind of threw out to my wife was Freya, but she's refused on the basis that it sounds too much like Frey, and that will remind her <laughs> of the red wedding. I'm going, fair enough. So if you think I took it bad, my wife's just taking it a million times worse. Yeah. Well, Stuart, I'd like to thank you uh, for appearing on Chasing Fandom and being and kind of being my guinea pig for. Um, having a, a quote-unquote listener uh, on the show. You, you've been a real blast to talk to. Um, if people want to uh, contact you or you know talk about Doctor Who or whatever with you, um, how can they do that? Because I know you have a Twitter. Uh, yes, on Twitter. Um, so you can get me um, at StuartMac23. So that's S-T-U-A-R-T. M-A-C-K-23. So, yeah, more than happy to um, sort of discuss any sort of Doctor Who, Star Wars, Game of Thrones. You know, if you're struggling with the Red Wedding as well, let me know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but yeah, no, it's been really good, Chris, uh, being on your show. Um, it's been really good to talk to you about Doctor Who. Um, and, yeah, I had a great time. Thanks. So thanks again to Stuart for joining me for that conversation about Doctor Who. I actually, I told him after we finished recording that I'm probably going to have to have him back on the show at some point in the future after the season airs because we are definitely going to have to compare and contrast our predictions, see what we got right, but more than likely see what we got wrong. So if you liked the episode, or even if you didn't like the episode, you can leave me feedback at chris at randomchatter.com. You can also get a hold of me on Twitter at the Curse of Chris. The show Twitter is at Chasing Fandom. The network Twitter is at Random Chatter. And uh, don't forget about our Facebook, facebook.com slash randomchatternetwork. Please visit randomchatter.com for all of the podcast needs that you could possibly desire. We have a lot of great stuff on there. Uh, if you're interested in supporting the network financially, you can do so at patreon.com slash randomchatter. Please leave reviews on iTunes. Yes, I can say that now. We have an iTunes feed. Uh, please, 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 I can't say that enough, leave reviews, leave me ratings. Um, that helps spread the word about the network, makes me go up in the rankings, uh, tell your friends about me as well. Um, this is a show that I want to try to get as many people on as possible, uh, reach out to as many fandoms as possible. So, uh, the, the more diverse we can go, the better. Uh, finally, do not forget to check out the band's music that you hear in this podcast, I Fight Dragons. 
Seriously, guys, they are an awesome band that you really need to be listening to. You can find out more information about them at their Twitter account, at iFightDragons. That's all I got for you this time. I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode of Chasing Fandom. Uh, one last word before I go. I will probably be doing this a lot more regularly now since it's the summer and I have <laughs> I have a whole list of people that I want to talk to. So uh, subscribe to that iTunes feed, um, leave reviews, and just be on the lookout for the next episode. So uh, in the meantime, take care and take it away, IFD. Yeah.